What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, dear listeners. I'm Jonathan Carlin. And I'm Ben Carlin. And we invite you to join us through the Griffin Door, your one-way ticket to the enchanting world of Harry Potter. So grab your wands, dust off your broomsticks, and join us as we unlock the secrets behind Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Ooh. Man. We are, we are officially, like, in the wizarding world. We are there. We are like entering in. But before we get into the wizarding world, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners out there because like we the, as of recording this, it is the the week after the podcast has officially launched and we've just sort of been looking at the numbers every day. Like as of this morning, where we were ranked number 67? 67 yeah. on the overall Spotify chart. On the chart, overall so. Spotify chart. So that's amazing. So thank you so much everyone who's listening out there. I could not believe it. I think uh, my wife was like nerding out too when she texted me. It's like, you guys are number two on the Apple books charts and number seven in the arts charts. Maybe it was number three. I don't know. But it was all just like, that's what is happening? That's so cool. Just just a a really great feeling. So yeah, it's so so exciting to see uh, like everybody tuning in and being excited about the new show, uh, which just makes us that much more excited to kind of keep keep the ball rolling uh, here with Chad Chapter five, Diagon Alley, where we wake up uh, in the hut on the on the rock yeah, out th- in the middle of sea. <laughs> this chapter is loaded with things that happen. Like I went down to do like a little summary and I was like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened. So here's everything, just a quick breakdown of everything that happens off the cuff is we they leave the hut on the rock, go to Diagon Alley, meet Professor Quirrell, visit Gringotts for the first time, get the Sorcerer's Stone, meet Malfoy, buy Hedwig, and Harry gets his wand. It's a, it's a like, lot. So like, much happens. In a lot of ways, I feel like Harry getting his wand <laughs> by itself could be its own chapter. Oh my gosh. You know, it like, really could. Yeah. It could have been like, Oh, only one thing left, Harry. We got to get your wand. Chapter six, the wand maker. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's just like a quietly short chapter, but that's not really how these books work. Like there's a lot there, at any given point in time. I feel like several chapters could be, or one chapter could be several chapters, but yeah. this um, is like a real symptom of philosopher stone too. We're like, it's, it is a much shorter book. And like the end result is that every chapter is packed with like a lot of different things happening there, there is in the th- the other theme that continued and I'll, I'll try to spot them as i go is that i, I feel like these early the first five chapters or so are just absolutely cram packed with obscure little trivia facts that oh, like that like come back in such big ways later on yes yeah. yes it's wild i was it's like oh this comes back this comes back there's so many yeah and like the first five chapters of philosopher's stone they set up so many things for Deathly Hallows. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So um but yeah, the 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 uh chapter kicks off with Harry sort of like in this half dreamlike state 
uh, where where he's kind of got that like dreadful crushing feeling, uh-huh. uh, which is that like it was just all a dream. That must be the case. Like I dreamed that I was a wizard and that I was going to get to be taken away and like this will all be better. Um, which always brings about one of my favorite questions, which is just simply: Is it better or worse to wake up from a good dream or a bad dream? Oh it's right, like <laughs> when you wake up from a good dream and you're like, oh, it was just a dream. Oh man! But then you like wake up from a bad dream and you're still stressed from everything you just felt inside of the bad I know. dream. If you wake up from a good dream, you're like, oh, God, I just wish I was still dreaming. I'm, yeah, there's no good answer. I know, I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's either way to way, but but I relate to to Harry's sensation there. Like I feel I've had that on so many occasions where you wake up and you're like, oh, it's just a dream. Yeah. Man, um, and so uh, I think it's interesting because he says when he when he's imagining that he's going to wake up and it's going to have all have been a dream, he says, "I'll wake up at home in my cupboard," which to me it's like so. At this point, he's already gotten the new room too. Oh, that's so as true. Far yeah. back, in his in his mind, the dream has consisted of not just. Haggard showing up and telling him he's a wizard, but also the letters arriving at all and him getting a new room and stuff like that. All of it's been a dream. All of it's been a dream. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So he's going way back. He's, he's going like, way back. I've been I've been out for a minute. I'm here. not even eleven yet. Jeez. Yeah. Yep. Um. Right away though, we we learn uh or we see uh, owl mail kind of coming into effect with the yep. delivery of the daily profit, which is kind of like one of those just funny exchanges where uh you know Hagrid's like there's there's money in my coat. Yeah. <laughs> Looking the pockets and then like his coat is just like full of pockets yeah uh which once again is like one of these things where uh you know we're big fans of the story name of the wind where uh cloaks with pockets are like always regarded as a good thing yeah is that just like a fantasy trope just like oh someone has a coat with pot that's mostly just pockets right right and it it seems like hagrid's coat is exactly that so that's good is that yeah that's like one of those things um i always remembered it and i can't i don't know why i always remembered it as if the delivery for the daily prophet was a single canut so when i saw five I was like, man, it's expensive to take out a, a subscription here. Or is it? I mean, it's uh, the the money in this chat. I mean, money in the Wizarding oh, World okay, is it's always easy enough. Compli- <laughs> oh, what's so infuriating is that later in the chapter, Hagrid's explaining the um, the what base seventeen. Uh, currency system they have going. It's like so twenty. Is it twenty nine? Twenty nine nuts to a sickle, seventeen sickles to a galleon. Yes, yes. Yes. First of all, that doesn't make sense at all. They're not even divisible. You've used two different prime numbers, Wizarding World. That's bananas. But at the same time, Hagrid is having trouble figuring out the Muggle money. And it's like, well, I don't. Whatever they say that I'm like, I don't understand because it's just. Number. It's just numbers. It like what? What are you not understanding? You use the same numbers. I, well, yeah. you know, it's funny though because uh, I'm I'm also reading Project Hail Mary at the same time, and there's just this tiny little sequence where it talks about. Uh, the fact that humans operate in base 10 and the only reason we operate in base 10 at all is just simply because we have 10 fingers. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. like that is like one of those things where it's like we see 10 as a round number because that's how we've been taught. Right. Uh, from the very beginning. So who knows? Maybe if you just always learned currency this way, <laughs> maybe, it, maybe, maybe, it. maybe. But the, the, at the same rate, though, it's like we we have a base 10. We use that, but then like our measurement system is not. We use like 12 inches and it's like that continues to be baffling the whole time. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just entirely confusing. So uh, but but I also feel like this is this is part of like the irregularity. Like we talked about it in one of the earlier chapters, but it's sort of like how um, Petunia has this like obsession with like overly cleanliness. And it feels like uh, part of like what the charm of the wizarding world is, is is that it is a bit messy. Yeah. And nothing is that much messier than prime Uh, numbers. I do like that explanation for it, that there's something like magic 
skeptical about the complete nonsense of the currency system. That, that's that's my subscription. I like I, that. I think I buy into that. That's absolutely. a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, things in his pockets. I thought this was interesting. Uh, there, it lists slug pellets, uh, bunches of keys, balls of string, and peppermint humbugs, which just stood out to me because only because just yesterday, as we're recording this, we did a um, a trivia show where one of the questions was. What um what is the one thing Harry doesn't touch at the Hogwarts feast and it's peppermint humbugs, which right. makes it sound like peppermint humbugs are a wizard thing that they're serving at Hogwarts. So it's I feel like this is maybe just like a, one of those tiny mistakes where it's like how like Harry shouldn't be able to identify what a peppermint humbug is yet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So this would be a this would or be a is question. it a British thing? I was gonna say or, yeah. or just a question for for British listeners is is are peppermint humbugs uh, more similar to like your classic like peppermint hard candy that's sort of like the white circle with like the, the like little red stripes along the edges? Cause, right. Because that's that's something I've never considered before. But peppermint humbugs does come across to me as seeming more magical, but you're right. Like Harry yeah. couldn't have identified peppermint humbugs. Right. Cause he doesn't know anything yet. He can't even identify the canuts. Okay. So there's that. Okay. Um, I don't want to jump too far forward, but I did, I did, uh, there is like one mo- like money related. It's not really an error, but it's kind of like a funny little like slip up. And I, I caught it because I both read and listened to the chapter. Um, and at one point as they're in Diagon Alley, um, someone is shaking their head as they're passing by saying dragon, dragon liver. Uh, 16 sickles to an ounce, they're mad. Um, in the audiobook, it actually says 17 sickles to an ounce. Oh, whoops. Yeah, which, which is funny because, <laughs> Just because that'd be one gallon. It's the same as saying like, oh, like that would be say, the same as like going to a vending machine for like a for like a soft drink and being like, oh, it cost 100 cents. Yeah. <laughs> instead, instead of like $1. Um, so I was like, that's really funny because I, my copy of the book says 16 sickles. So they, it's clearly been corrected. Yeah. Um, however... Uh, at w- whatever time Jim Dale recorded it, it's at 17. So I was like, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. I yeah, like that. Little, Good catch. Good yeah, catch. Thank you. Thank you. Man. Okay. So uh, going on with money, uh, Harry uh, realized, uh, well, first of all, I love as they're leaving the hut on the rock, there's just a couple of things about it is that one, they. Uh, completely, there's no goodbye to the Dursleys at all. Oh, which, it's which like, I never have caught that before. Yeah, and I, I know. Like, That's brilliant. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like were they the- still there? Like, did they leave? It's like, no, they're still there. They just get up and leave. They don't even talk to them at all, which I think is hilarious. And then they go outside, and Hagrid's like, oh, yeah, we'll have to take this boat. Uh, we get, I, you know, I, I was allowed to do a little magic to get here, and Harry's like, how'd you get here? And he says, flu, which is like not helpful. And this is one of those things where whether you're listening to it or reading it, maybe there could be some confusion because just the word flu as a form of travel might be F-L-O-O, like flu powder, which obviously Hagrid didn't use anyway because he would have come in through the um, fireplace if that was the case. But what he uh, means is F-L-E-W, flu, which is also just a giant question mark because like... Um, how how did you fly i think hagrid specifically at one point later on in the series says that you know there's no broomstick that could hold him that could hold me like just look at me you know the only the only thing because i literally ever wait what and then i was like festrals maybe um which (laughs) but then why wouldn't he keep the festral there (laughs) well you could but it would be invisible so i don't know like to harry poss yeah it would be invisible to harry at this point in time so like that's interesting but that's so Mm, so it, okay. could, it technically could could still be it there. It could still be there. The other thing about Thestrals is they have an excellent sense of direction. So like if if all Hagrid had told them was I need to go find Harry Potter, 
similar to owls, it should have been able to do so. Dude, I love that. I had not considered Thestral. So I was like, Hagrid, there's no way Hagrid can fly. Like, he can't ride on a broom. He didn't use the motorbike. Like, and if he can fly, then he can do insanely powerful magic because that's like a Voldemort signature thing. Yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think it's that. that oh, would dude, you're so, right. Yeah. It is a thousand percent a Thestral. It yeah. is just still invisible and just flies its way back. You want to know what else is so cool about this that makes it doubly awesome is the fact that they normally, when you get to school as your first year, you take a boat, which is what they end up doing. But past your first year, you're in the Thestral drawn carriages. Yeah. So like the two ways that that Hagrid enters and exits are the two ways that you might approach oh, Hogwarts you're right. Castle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Enters like, on the Thestral, exit on the boat. I also love that they take the boat because it means they just strand <laughs> the Dursleys there. And like, they don't have cell phones. And the whole point of this place is that it is remote. So how do they get off the island? No idea. I guess the guy who rented the house to them eventually is like, I really want my boat back. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to come in my other boat. Oh, your son's got a tail. That's weird. <laughs> it's just a real, a real shocker for that. Man. And yet they must get off pretty quickly because Haggard and Harry are only gone for the rest of this one day, at which point Harry returns to the Dursleys at number four Privet Drive. So they get off the island. That makes me think uh, that it must be the case that somehow Hagrid re-delivered the boat back to him. Like just like, like rocketed it back. Yeah, like like unmanned, just yeah. sort of like sent it backwards. Because you're right. Like this is one of those big deviations from the from the films where when Harry normally goes with Hagrid, he goes and spends his whole day, but he never goes back to the Dursleys. Hagrid just like literally is like, and here's your ticket. Good luck at school. Um, and and then that's just that's just it. Um, but in this case, Harry has to go back to the Dursleys for a full month before yeah. before he gets He's there the, for a while. Yeah, eventually yeah. boarding the, the You know what? Express. I'm reading the section again though. He says flu, but then he says, "Yeah, but we'll go back in this. I'm not supposed to use magic now. I've got you." And it's like, "But you wouldn't have had to have used magic to fly on a Thestral." But I still think Harry couldn't yeah. see it, so Harry I don't know if that could be off-putting or something. It absolutely could be. Th- th- All right. Yeah, I'm still anyway. going with Thestral. That's okay. got to be it. Yeah, but then we get like a little bit more uh, of like how much can we rely on everything that Hagrid says a couple uh, paragraphs later where uh, he starts talking about how uh, like Harry's concerned because he doesn't have any money and, and uh, Hagrid's basically like, oh, don't worry, you have plenty at, at uh, Gringotts. We're going to go there today. And he's like, you know, explaining it, you know, and, and saying like, uh, like there's no place safer and stuff like that. Um, but then he says Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London. And it's like, yeah, it's hundreds like, of it's miles. Like, I'm sorry. Hundreds is too many. Hundreds like, is too many. Hundreds. Like, yeah. Like, and so I was, I was curious. I was like, I was like, how, I don't even, I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like, I don't know off the top of my head how many miles it is to the center of the earth, but I started just doing like some reading just to be like, you know, if you were hundreds of miles under the earth, then what would like the relative temperature be? Because yeah. at some point in time, uh, you go from like the standard temperature underground, which I think like in a cave is like 56 or 57, 57 yeah. degrees or something like that. Um, we've done some caving in our day. Um, but then, then, you know, obviously the further that you go, it starts to get hotter and hotter and hotter. After a certain distance, it's like eight degrees hotter every extra mile you go or something like that. Anyway, so it wouldn't be intolerably hot at 100 miles, but it would be hotter. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I learned is just how squashed our planet actually is because when you're standing on the equator, you're actually a lot further from the center of the earth than you are when you're standing on like one of the north or south poles. Oh, really? Yeah, like considerably. Like, like, like it's more of an egg? It's more, yeah, it's like more of like a, like a squished, it's, yeah, like a squished egg or wow. something. okay. Yeah. 
So anyway, I just learned something about our planet. Ben's an egg earther. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he says, yeah, they, they set up like right away. One of the first things he tells them about Gringotts is, yes, he'd be mad to try and rob it. And it's like that they basically just set up. Well, not only the, like the events of this book, but also the events of Deathly Hallows when sure enough, Harry has to try and rob it. And he says, never mess with goblins. And it's like, well, Harry is going to mess with goblins at some point. Yeah, he thinks that there's, yep. there could be a dragon. He's heard rumor of that. And that we know that the, we eventually will learn that there is, in fact, a dragon down there. Yes, yes, indeed. I, OK, this is something I, I thought I was like, I noticed this for the first time as we were reading it through it. He says, uh, you got to find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London Sea, deep under the un oh, deep under the underground. Okay, maybe I read that wrong. But in any case, Dumbledore in chapter one says that he has a map of the under the London underground on like his leg as like, like, a, scar yeah, like a scar or something, yep, yep. which is like and then I was like, which I've always just assumed was like the subway system. Yeah, I believe London. that is. Yep, yep. Yeah. But then I was reading this and I was like, I wonder if what he actually has is a map of like Gringotts scarred on his leg. Oh, that would have been if all he had said was deep underground <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like. Yeah, but deep no, but it's under, under the underground. Under the underground. So, yeah, yeah. never mind. Forget so, that. Right. My uh, bad. The, the next little thing we get here, though, was the Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual. Oh, I know. Uh, I, they're just introduced as this fumbling government. Yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like right away. Um, and it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, um, you know, he like Cornelius Fudge gets the job, but like he's referred to as a bungler, yeah. which is a term I've never heard before. Um, well, apparently I have because I've read the story so many times, but uh, it never comes to mind when I think of a, a go to insult for somebody. Um, uh, but he pelts Dumbledore's with owls every morning asking for advice. This is kind of like one of those things where it's like, it's like, did you just trip on your own logic a little bit, Hagrid? Like if he's always asking Dumbledore for advice yeah. and Dumbledore, I mean, uh, assuming Dumbledore is providing said advice, then you would think the Ministry of Magic wouldn't always be messing things up as usual because Fudge would just be doing whatever Dumbledore told him to do. I want to know what they're doing that's messing things up because he just says the Ministry is messing things up as usual, but like they, with no context and it's like in this book, they don't really specifically do anything wrong that we know of uh -huh. like clearly they are bumbling and they make all sorts of mistakes moving forward but like that there's like i wonder what happened on this particular day that, yeah, that's an interesting question yeah, yeah so i guess i guess we'll have to we'll have to keep we'll have to keep that like like burning in the back of our brain and see if yeah. we end up finding some explanation as to what what would be going on because we know that the events of this very day are about to to, to make some some headlines yes they are but, but we don't know of anything happening prior to this very day that would that would do the same um, so anyway, yeah, we make our way, uh, to London, which Harry has never been to before, which I know is kind of like one of those things. Like when they, when they go to the zoo for Dudley's birthday, it just simply means they didn't go to the London zoo, uh, because Harry has never been to London before. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, so we can just rule that out. You can just rule that out. So it we went to right. some other zoo, not yeah. the London zoo. This is, there's all sorts of like weird little things like that. Or like, this is another one that I think is odd is that like they talk about, this is moving forward to chamber of secrets, but like they talk about like going to find the Ford Anglia in the parking lot at, you know, King's Cross and it's like King's Cross does not have a parking lot <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's like it's just in the middle of the city. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right. You need to wait for the car to be there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we could move. Yeah, move right past that. Right. One of the things yeah. I like that they set up early is uh, Hagrid's love of dragons. Crikey, yep. I love a dragon, and I like the use of the word crikey yeah. here because crikey. it is like a classic, like Steve Irwin um, exclamatory. Yeah. And Steve Irwin, of course, was like a like a big um, you know like animal guy. Obviously, it's the primary mm -hmm. thing he. 
know, he's known for. So I love the use of the word crikey just simply because I, I, I have always assumed crikey to be an Australian word, but Hagrid also loves beasts. So his use of <laughs> is it, it here, a beast word? Yeah. Is this like a, like a beast or like a little, is it like a Steve Irwin reference possibly? I don't know. I found that to be kind of fun. I, know. I love that he says I wanted one ever since I was a kid. And it's like, oh, but and you know what? Didn't get too settled for a giant spider. So oh. there's that. Yep. Yep. We know that much. Um, we, we get the, um, the Hagrid getting on the subway and knitting what looks like a yellow circus tent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like what's he making? Uh, yeah. This is like, you know, Hagrid is known um, like, you know, in, in the future for for his like baking and like, you know, kind of like engaging in like lots of like little things that feel like juxtapositions for like this this big big right like, you know uh like character uh but so i love just the image of him of him knitting here um interestingly though i have i have actually read a little bit before about this because um we never learn in the books specifically which house hagrid was in and i have seen before a lot of speculation based on this particular line that because he's knitting in yellow that hagrid was actually um a hufflepuff which is also kind of interesting because you get the line uh where where harry is ultimately asking about about like the specific houses yeah and like it i think hagrid says like everyone says hufflebuffs a bunch of like duffers but and then like i think like ha- like harry cuts him off at like that point in time or something so it's like was was hagrid about to be like but i was one so but, yeah right you know <laughs> so there's that yeah i think it's one of those things on pottermore he's confirmed to have been in gryffindor that is the but, yeah, that is correct but boy oh boy we can get to this later there's i don't buy it at all i think hagrid was in slytherin man it seems like there's a very real possibility so much evidence that Hagrid was in Slytherin and it is just it, there's just no way he was in, I mean I mean if that's what they say then maybe that's the case but there's a, a so much Slytherin we, we have a strong argument for it, but we'll, strong, we'll, we'll save, save that we'll, we'll save, save that one yeah. we're getting way ahead of ourselves know, here as we tend to do yep. um, the next page though as we move forward we get the uh, the famous list of um, school supplies that Harry is going to need for his first year um, this particular list is I always find it to be incredibly interesting because there's a couple of like known like questions attached to it yeah um in one of the earliest printings of the book there was a a very famous misprint which sort of marks some of the more collectible issues of the book which is that under other equipment they actually listed one wand as something needed twice so it's like one wand one cauldron one set of glass you know one telescope one set of brass scales and one wand and one wand and (laughs) wait what yeah um, two one wands two one wands one wands Um, one wands um uh, immediately under that we also have Students may bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Or a rat, I or, guess, or, if you or, want. Yeah. Ron. Or is Ron just breaking the rules? Like, I, I find it to be really funny that that's something that uh, What's is, extra funny is that Percy gave him the rat. So Percy was breaking the rules. Also, yeah. Managed yeah. to become prefect anyway. I know. I know. Wow. So that's, wow, that's wow, like, wow. I was like, why is that overlooked? Um, yeah. The other the other things that we have uh, that, that kind of stand out to me a little bit are the inclusion of the textbook, The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. Absolutely. Um, this one is always fascinating because you don't start Care of Magical Creatures until year three. And even in year three, there is a different textbook for that class. Yes. So it's like, why do they, in what class are they using fantastic beasts and where to find them? Like arguably defense against the dark arts, because like when Lupin's teaching them, mostly what he teaches them about is like dangerous beasts. So I've always thought that, that too. Yeah. could be it. Like red caps and yeah. punks and stuff. Yeah. Either way, it's clearly also the first time you hear about the book, fantastic beasts and where to find them, which is, which, you know, goes 
goes on to become, you know, the movie, and we get to meet a lot more of Newt in the movies there. This is also the first time you hear about Bethilda Bagshot of A History of Magic, who it turns out is a pretty important character herself. Yep, yep. Um, Adelbert Waffling, I believe, is another one of the the characters that Dumbledore is supposedly having correspondence with before even leaving his time um, at Hogwarts. So that's just like a fun little Easter egg there where when it comes back up later, you're like, oh my gosh, like the one of the guys he was talking to literally has a first year book that they need. Look, if Dumbledore is the one making this list and he includes Adelbert Waffling and Newt Scamander and Bethilda, ba- it's almost surprising he includes Bethilda Bagshot on the list here, given his relationship with like um, Grindelwald. That, you know, because that's Grindelwald's aunt. Yeah, that's that. That's <laughs> he true. clearly doesn't have a very good relationship with her. But I guess she's, a, you know, they're not, you know, uh, they're not all evil. Obviously, Harry's parents are fan- friends with Bethelda Backshot as well. So that's very true. That, that's so, very true. Yeah. Um, let's see. So as we keep going forward, uh, we make our way uh, to the Leaky Cauldron, um, which I just wrote like a little note here because one of the fun things that we did when we were in our trip uh, to London years ago now for the um, history of magic exhibit at the British Library was we got to go to the physical uh, location. Yes, we did. This um, was so cool. B- because it's it's not like it's not really noteworthy all that much at all. Like it's the type of place you might visit on like a Harry Potter films like walking tour of London or something similar but it was just very interesting to like see the exterior of the place and then like look at it in the film and be like wow well, they, like, we were there yeah we were there but they like really change it for for, for the, the film. film yeah but it, it is like it, it I mean the point of it in the book is that it's really innocuous and like muggles won't notice and like sure enough in real life you won't notice yeah no it's it's, yeah. it's, it's you could walk right past it and have no idea that yeah. it was a, like a place worth remarking over so kind of just a fun little detail that I that I wrote down there oh, this is another tiny a little detail that I recently learned is that they're talking about walking past music stores, hamburger restaurants, and cinemas. Hamburger is a word that pops up in these first like five chapters like five times. Like the the use of the word hamburger is there a lot, and then it is never used again. Like it is an extremely muggle sounding word that came up a lot until Harry got to Hogwarts and then never again. I know, yeah, which is which is just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So yep, a little bit of inclusion of the, the word hamburger that's yep. about to just go uh go okay. extinct for the oh, rest of the series. We also meet Tom, the bartender at the Leaky Cauldron, which is just one of those like it's like a throwaway character. You wouldn't think about it. And it's like, but the fact that his name is Tom is like specifically relevant to Voldemort choosing to not be called Tom Riddle. Yes, because yeah. like what drives what drives Voldemort crazy about the name Tom is that there are a lot of Toms. Right. So this is this is an example of one of the I think the, the example of the other Tom. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. realistically, especially because Tom Riddle is having a very similar experience to Harry in that he mm-hmm. is eventually an orphan, you know, going to Diagon Alley. He goes by himself, and the first person he's likely to meet inside the wizarding world is someone who shares his name. Oh gosh, he would hate that. I've never even thought about that. You're right. It's probably the first First person he met. Yep. Other than, uh, other than, than Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then this is another interesting thing is that everyone at the Leaky Cauldron, Hagrid doesn't say he's there with Harry. He just says, I'm on Hogwarts business and like taps Harry on the shoulder. And suddenly everyone's like, Good Lord, is that Harry Potter? Right. And it's like they all immediately know what he looks like, to which it's just like, How? 
How did, does everyone know what he looks like? I don't understand. Hey, no one's seen him. All I can think, all I can think, because I had the same note here, is that like you know, uh, the, like as um, here, or Hagrid walks in, Tom is just like the usual Hagrid, and and Hagrid's like, "Can't Tom? I'm on Hogwarts business." And it's like if Hagrid is enough of a regular at the Leaky Cauldron for Tom to say like like you know the usual, then yeah. it's entirely possible that Hagrid has known he would have this mission for a minute, and upon saying like, "I'm on official Hogwarts." business it's like it's like this is harry potter this is the one i was telling you about <laughs> yeah that, that could be the case like uh, but like yeah i get that almost makes more sense because like you'd think if this is the reaction and everyone just knows what he looks like then the moment he gets into diagon alley he'd be swarmed by everyone immediately and yet it's like in the leaky cauldron everyone recognizes him once they go into diagon alley nobody recognizes he, he him. does kind of get by yeah, yeah with, he without gets by too much. the other thing is that like th- this is sort of like one of those like i don't it feels like it doesn't quite add up but it could just be that but when he's talking to malfoy later at madame malkin's it's like malfoy is otherwise an extremely well-informed child per Wizarding World's 11-year-old standards. Sure. Like, he yeah. normally has more information than Harry and Ron or Hermione usually have just because his dad tells him everything. And yet, Malfoy doesn't recognize Harry Potter in a world where people who haven't seen him do recognize him. And he, this is like the son of a Death Eater. So it's like, he, like he... I don't know why he doesn't recognize him. <laughs> What's especially interesting about that, and we'll, we'll come back to Leaky Cauldron in a little bit because he meets Quirrell and we have to yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we definitely like, talk about that. Um, one of the big things about Harry and his in his um, return to the Wizarding World, especially as you get like into the back catalog of information, uh, like on Pottermore about like what's happening and like how the rest of you know like the Death Eaters and everything might be viewing him, is like in a lot of ways the Death Eaters were were people who were looking for the biggest baddest guy on the playground to like band together around to right. sort of like seek power around and a lot of a lot of rumors were flying that like because Harry was able to take down Voldemort that like it was very possible that Harry Harry was going to be like the new second coming of the Dark Lord. Right. And so at this point in time, like, like, you know, everybody's kind of watching with bated breath to see like, you know, what does this boy end up doing? Like, what will he embody? And, and yeah, like how will he be relevant? And so especially through the lens of young Draco here, it has to be the case that Lucius like is very much aware of the fact that he has a child the same age as As the the Harry Harry Potter. Potter. And it would not surprise me in the slightest if, if Lucius wasn't instructing Draco on his behalf to be like, look, Look, there's going to be a kid in your class. You need to be like on him, like you know. Yeah, and like sure enough, it seems like he does have the conversation with him, like after this encounter, because then when Draco finds out that you know, oh, it's true what they're saying on the train, Harry Potter has come to Hogwarts. It's right. Like, he is like on him, like immediately, like I'll be your best friend, Harry. That's true, and yeah. and I mean, there's the. I think really, what's most likely in this particular situation is that Draco is so self-absorbed and smarmy and awful that like he, I, I could see a world where he just he can't imagine that he's meeting somebody more important than himself. Well, that's absolutely the case too. Yeah. I think he barely looks up at him. But anyway, back to the leaky cauldron because sure enough, we meet a very important character, Mr. Professor Quirrell. Yes, and it, and this is like one of those really, really, really interesting ones because like Quirrell is I think very strategically placed inside of the story to where like he has a lot of relevance, but Harry doesn't have a very particular relationship with him as a teacher yeah like so we don't get like a lot of time between 
Harry and Quirrell. And it's like, it's like, he's the first one we're really introduced to. And, and he like comes across as like, so innocuous and, and non-dangerous. Oh yeah. I mean, you are, I mean, you meet him and then are immediately dissuaded away from him as like a threat at all. Exactly. Um, there, there is one of the, like the age old questions attached to this particular exchange, uh, which basically is, um, Professor Quirrell steps forward and says, uh, you know, Potter uh, stammered Professor Quirrell grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how, how pleased I am to meet you. Um, this is like one of those things where it's like, we, we know this story will culminate with basically the, the, the key thing that Harry has is, is that Voldemort can't stand to t- like, you know, physically touch Harry, physically touch him. So yeah. what it must tell us is at this point in time, Quirrell is already being impacted by the potential control that Voldemort will eventually have over him but i also think because harry doesn't have like the splitting scar moment either and because they're able to physically touch it must be the case that at this point in time voldemort is not actively occupying coral's body i think that is that has been confirmed as well you're right because yeah you're right like if if voldemort was already possessing him um, then he should not be able to shake Harry's hand without, um, you know, basically losing it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like at this point in time, like Harry would accidentally defeat Voldemort 35 seconds into the wizard. Uh, right. You know? <laughs> Whoops. Like, well, how about and Hagrid would be like, what do you know? Who, uh, so who are you <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, Whoa, wow, Harry, really impressive. Um, so basically what's happened here is that Quirrell has met Voldemort. And in fact, the reason he's at the Leaky Cauldron and Diagon Alley at all on this day is because this is the day he is going to go personally try and rob um Gringotts. So it is not actually a coincidence that he's there. He's there for that reason. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yep, that, you're um, exactly right. It's a good so, point. So there is that. They do shake hands. Voldemort isn't possessing him yet. Voldemort be, like starts living on the back of his head because he fails to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes, I believe okay. is like the extended Pottermore explanation for what happens here. At which point, Quirrell is, for like the duration of the year, a Horcrux. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. At yeah. least you know, sort of like a like a stand-in Horcrux. We made we made a whole yeah. video about it once upon a time. But you're right. That's, a, that's it's always one of those big questions. It's like was Quirrell technically a Horcrux, and and he he is. Yeah. Uh, for for a period of time, just sort of like unofficially one because he's he is uh effectively he's like, like housing voldemort prime yes yeah, yeah. We, we've always referred to like the consciousness of voldemort as voldemort prime and that is the one that is existing within quarrel so uh it's a little bit different than like the piece that might be like in the in the diary for for comparison's sake um as we move forward and enter diagon alley there's the uh three up two across which is the tapping of the bricks uh to get into diagon alley i just write that down as a bit of trivia that's yep. always one of those where always it's like good trivia what, what is what is the what is the pattern that you need to do in order to enter the wizarding world um we've got the you know the entrance into diagon alley which is just like honestly this is one of those things that like if you've ever been to universal um you know and and enter diagon alley like the way that they've designed the parks is so spectacular and that like it's a pretty uh innocuous entry point into diagon alley it's so cool yeah it's so cool the first time we ever went we were like on the hogsmeade side of things so we didn't quite get this reveal yes yeah but oh my gosh it will make you it could make you cry walking in it It, is so cool i tear up i mean truly yeah (gasps) it's like you're you're here and it's amazing and it's like it's so full and bustling um but it's it's just it's so cool because it's like it's almost like universal was willing to rely on the fact that people will figure out where to go and sure enough when you step through it is 
packed. Yeah. Like nobody's not finding it. It's not a secret. Like everybody knows it's there. Everybody knows it's there. But there's there's the night bus parked on the other side, I guess. That's true. So there's some. You fell over for. Classic. Anyway, so now we're in Diagon Alley. We're walking down the uh, we're walking down the street. Uh, I I've made a note here. I think it's odd. Nobody recognizes Harry, but we already sort of talked about that. This is like one of those funny little anachronistic things where this book came out in 1997. Is that right? Yes, I believe. Yeah. So So the kids are looking through the window at the broomsticks and they're saying, oh, the new Nimbus 2000 fastest ever. And it's like, okay, that's a that. Like, if you were alive in 1997, you were very aware that the year 2000 was coming soon. So everything was called 2000. It was a really like common naming convention right. at so the time. You yep, can, for sure. it, it feels like it was written with that in mind. However, in universe, it's only the year 1991. So it's sort of weird that Nimbus called their broomstick the Nimbus 2000, especially because in then in 1992, they're like, well, we may as well just uh, 2001 it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's like, or, or did you guys just found this company like, like 2000 years prior and now it's just lining up ever so slightly close to man that would be impressive they just started just before they started the the years <laughs> they're like they're like 10 off right right yeah, right, yeah. oh geez I we know. were founded in 9 bc <laughs> right yeah. right yeah broomsticks actually uh outpace our calendar yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh we get the we get the really cool uh entry into um Green God's Bank, where you know you're getting to see like all of the all the very clever goblins, sort of like sorting and and sifting through all the all the the treasure. This uh, as a kid, I loved treasure so very much. Like I mean, the the idea of like the rubies the size of like uh, coals and stuff like that. I'm just like, what? I want to be there. Yes, I want to hold the jewels. I want to hold jewels like that. Right. Um, we we learned about Vault Seven Hundred and Thirteen. Yep. Uh, which is which is the vault that um. Sorcerer's Stone is in. Yeah, the Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone is stored inside of. One of the things that I did write down about this particular vault that I find to be interesting is that like it's very, very, very deep within the Gringotts vaults. It's got to be like one of the one of the more like original vaults for the school. But I do find it to be kind of interesting that like the only thing inside of it is the Philosopher's Stone because almost yeah. certainly this vault has belonged to the school for a very, very long time. And it's almost like it's like curious to me like what are they normally keeping here like because it's it's in this particular case it's like it's like hey we finally like we have a use for 713 yeah you know but like in the meantime is, is it just empty yeah i guess so i have no idea yeah right yeah i also think the the number itself 713 it like stands out a little bit to me i mean um the, I mean, right away, like the number seven is lucky and 13 is unlucky. So it's sort of like an interesting pairing of those numbers together right there. That's but then true. if you write it backwards, it's 317. And I think like the way in Europe they write dates is with the day of the month first and then the month. Yes, you are yeah. correct. In which case it would be 317, which is Harry's birthday. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I know, which is so funny because Harry is the Philosopher's Stone, as we talked about back in Chapter 1. Although I will, I need to issue a quick um, correction on the Harry is the Philosopher's Stone theory, where I've said, I think, that Sirius physically picks Harry up, hands him to Hagrid, who then hands him to Dumbledore. Sirius never picks up Harry in uh, when when he's in the wreckage. You're right. Hagrid you're right. is there first. He fishes him out. Then Sirius shows up and says, 
give him to me, Hagrid. I'm his godfather. And he's like, nope, I'm taking him to Dumbledore. See ya. But it is still the first three characters who interact with him are serious. Hagrid and Dumbledore. Good so, save. There you Good go. Yep. Anyway, yep. there we go. Through the Gryffindor is sponsored by Better Help. Let me tell you what I wish I had more time. Between time for family, work, exercise, and household responsibility, life keeps me so busy. So much so that part of my own problem is that even when I do find a window of time to do something just for me, I'm not even sure what I want it to be. Like read a book, take a nap, contemplate the turnings of the world. It's strange, but it's point in time, I may have lost the thread on what I actually want to do with my own time. And that's where therapy can really, truly help. It's one of the primary topics I bring up in my own sessions. How do I recognize my own genuine passions versus what I think the world, family, or social media might want me to do? Finding breakthroughs in this department has been massive. It means my downtime is actually refilling my cup compared to being worn out attempting to keep up in the rat race of life. If you're ever finding yourself grappling with something similar, consider therapy with BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Gryffindor today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gryffindor. Through the Gryffindor is supported by Rosetta Stone. As much as I love getting lost in a fictional world, I also love traveling abroad and getting lost out in the real world. And by getting lost, I of course mean finding adventure. And just like mastering the intricate spells of the wizarding world, learning a new language can be an adventure all on its own. With Rosetta Stone's innovative language learning programs, you can unlock the secrets of communication from the comfort of your own common room. And Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. I think where I personally always struggled in school trying to learn a new language is the classes were long and my attention simply would drift, but Rosetta Stone provides lessons as short as 10 minutes. You could even do it during your morning commute, making it perfect for any attention span. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Through the Gryffindor listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Through the Gryffindor is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Okay, so are you guys like me? Like where you watch the Avengers, you're like, wow, Nick Fury has no idea how to assemble a team. I would make so many changes. Well, with Marvel Strike Force, you can do just that. Because this game is all about engaging in epic battles, strategically assembling your team of heroes and villains to stop the evil Ultimus. But it is really not just about the battles. I mean, Marvel Strike Force offers an immersive storyline, stunning graphics, and a vast roster of characters to collect an upgrade from Spider-Man to Captain America, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom to Black Panther, the entire Marvel Universe is yours to explore. So seriously, it doesn't even matter if you're a hardcore Marvel fan or not, or whether you're just looking for like an action-packed,
Minecraft RPG experience. Download Marvel Strike Force now on the App Store or Google Play Store and join millions of players worldwide and unleash the power of the Marvel Universe on your mobile device. Plus, this is kind of the cool thing and maybe why you want to do it like right now is because the Deadpool anniversary event is going on right now. So there's like weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you receive special awards and skins and all that fun, cool cosmetic upgrade stuff. And, and we have a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow the link in our description. That's how they know you came from us and use the promo code max pool. And once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Um, as we as we uh, continue down to the vaults to get the, that precious philosopher's stone, there's just one line that I just found to be hilarious that never stands out to me, but I think is amazing. Um, but they're they're seeing the stalactites and the stalagmites, <laughs> and Harry says, "I never know like what's the difference between stalagmite and stalactite." Um, and Hagrid says, "Stalagmites has got an M in it." <laughs> I literally just wrote "lol" next to it. Oh my gosh! Uh, the actual difference is that stalactites hang tight to the ceiling, and stalagmites might reach them one day yep yep yeah, that's, the, that's that's my fourth grade um shout out to miss hall for, oh, no, i so i drew a little diagram on my book oh <laughs> for that's like, amazing for which ones are which oh my gosh that's, a, that's so great that's so great yeah um let's see here oh this was something i didn't note i i underlined as i was reading through it when they get to harry's vault which i feel like isn't harry's vault number always like a trivia question we have to deal with i feel like it is i, I don't like think it it's mentioned in the book at least not here. You're right. I was, I was like, like, as you were saying the 713 thing, I was like, oh, when you go it backwards, is it is it Harry's vault number? And I was like, no, no, it's. Uh, do we know Harry's vault number? I don't know. All of a sudden, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be here, but it's not. But anyway, what I thought was interesting was Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze nuts. What is the green smoke? What is the green? What smoke? is the green smoke in Harry's vault? Like, what protection did the Potters put on their gold? I want to know because we. It's never mentioned again. It, it never is. <laughs> like mentioned why again. is there green smoke in there? Maybe, maybe they went and placed something in their vault, and then because it's been like like ten years since anybody's been to said vault, it just has rotted. No, <laughs> oh God, this, it feels like it's got to be the protection of some. No, kind. It, I agree with you. I know, yeah, but I feel like, like it's but but it seems like it's not dangerous once the door has been opened as well. Yeah, so it's like so it's like like what? I mean, maybe if you were standing there and it like hit you, because I guess it doesn't touch them. R- that's good points good point so but i don't know yeah so i want to know i don't i'm trying to think of anything else in the wizarding world makes a like green smoke green smoke yeah yeah it, it, it is like one of those strange when we talked a little bit about the colors associated with harry like you know he's got like the the red from gryffindor he has the red expelliarmus but then he's got like the green eyes in contrast yeah. with voldemort's you know red eyes and green spell of avada kedavra and green from you know slytherin and everything so uh the green is always interesting whenever it's attached to harry in any capacity so there's there's you know worth worth keeping those those notes yep. on track. Yeah, know. this is where Hagrid also gives us the uh, conversion rate between galleons, sickles, and canuts, which is bananas. Yeah. Still, yep. I mean, seriously, if you were like, also, just to get a single nut into a galleon is crazy, right? It's seventeen times twenty-nine nuts to a galleon. Yep. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's that's quite the not magnet. math I can just do in my head. <laughs> not not so much, but I mean, like you know, if you were to think about uh, like you know transferring you know pennies to a ten dollar bill or something like i mean that's a it's a lot of pennies i mean it's a lot of pennies yeah but i could still tell you how many it took 
No, that's a good point. You know? <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, I mean, the currency is just wacky. It's there's, just there's wacky. There's no two ways about it. No it, way nothing, about it. nothing costs what it's supposed to cost. Um, we, we actually did just make an entire uh, an entire video where we broke down, like, if you were to take a galleon and just assume that it is the same uh, shape and size as a British pound, and then we converted that, um, that amount of gold into a weight and then we cross-referenced the current value of gold with that weight then like a single gold galleon would be worth approximately fourteen hundred dollars which is crazy i think in 1991 it was closer to like 300 or something yeah right? gold, gold is really like skyrocketed yeah. yeah over the past like 30 years who knew but yeah in 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 2023 if a gold galleon is the same size as a British pound, then it is worth about fourteen hundred dollars worth of gold. Yes, which yeah. is whoa. I know, which is which is kind of amazing. Harry like, is rich. Harry is Harry is super super wealthy. Yeah, um, which I think is true. Kind of either way, uh, depending on how you look at it. Speaking of wealthy, of course, then we go to Madame Malkins, where we meet Malfoy. Malfoy. I guess we don't learn his name just yet. No, we don't. But he's just some annoying turd. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good word to, to a turd is to, to, just well, a real butthead. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is particularly interesting, and we just made a video again about this, is also the um, it's the early influence that Harry gets about the various houses. Yeah, this is very, it's like there's so much that could have changed about Harry's whole life without this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's really the conversation with Malfoy that ultimately leads uh, Harry to asking Hagrid about the various houses. Yep. And upon asking Hagrid about the houses is when Hagrid explains that like, you know, not a witch or wizard who's ever gone bad wasn't in Slytherin or something, um, which is always one of those like double, triple negatives that can never like, I'm like, do we, does that, does that work? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Also um, just not true. But yeah, but also yeah. just not true. Yeah. Um, Peter Pettigrew, anybody? Um, yeah. Quirrell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess technically those have not been found out about yet. So no, I that. guess there's yeah. that, but whatever. But still. The, it's, it's Lockhart's still, already doing his thing, you know? It, you know what? Hagrid believed that Gringotts was hundreds of miles under London, so it, it's, right. it's safe to give a couple of passes and, and assume that not everything Hagrid says is always dead accurate. But um, where am I going? Oh, he believes Sirius Black is bad at this point. True, true. Yeah. So Gryffindor, Gryffindor. There That's a go. good point. You got one. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Well done. Um, the, the the bigger point I'm trying to make though is that uh, there's a big conversation when it comes to Harry's eventual sorting, which we're going to get to in a little bit, and it just sort of is like these these early bits of of influence on Harry as he you know kind of moves towards his sorting are, are vital because it's really like, like what we'll ultimately learn from like Dumbledore. You know, it's our decisions more than our talents that define who we truly are. Hat, like Harry asking the hat not to put him in Slytherin is in part informed based on these two exchanges and then there's one more for, with, with, with Ron, Ron that's yeah. yet to come but but the point is is that like we you never really know why the Sorting Hat is debating on Slytherin fully or if the piece of Voldemort's soul that exists inside of Harry is any part of like that sway or not but like realistically it seems very close like unless unless what the hat eventually is doing and I feel like I'm getting way too far ahead of myself right now but unless what the hat is really trying to do is is just explain to Harry like why Slytherin isn't a bad choice. It always reads to me like, if not for Harry's request, he was going into Slytherin. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this was the, ba I mean, and this conversation right here was the basis. The one he's about to have with Malfoy was the basis for our entire, what if Harry wasn't Slytherin? Like basically what if Harry didn't meet Malfoy in Madame Malkin's? Because that is when he first 
gets the information about Slytherin. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So the, these are actually pretty important conversations that are all happening. Uh, you know, like in, in terms of framing. You know, I mean, Harry at this point in time is is building the the basic foundation of his knowledge of the wizarding world. I mean, yeah. He's getting like like you know he's drinking from a fire hose, as they say. Like in terms of yeah, just, all this new information mm-hmm. just stampeding over him. Yeah. But um, you know, as as he's going forward, I mean, these are the like. Whenever you're into anything new, your first and earliest impressions are like, yeah, lasting sometimes. Lasting yeah. exactly. So, so there, yeah, it, it is a pretty big conversation that he has here. I also I picked up on this, and I was just like, it, it just really stood out as like a, a big detail, sort of. When he's talking to Malfoy, he says, "My father's next door buying my books, and mother's up the street looking at wands," which makes it sound, and it's possible that Narcissa is just looking at wands for herself or something but if it like the way he phrases that you know lucius is next door buying my books it sounds like his mom is looking at wands for him that that's how i read it as right well. yeah. okay all right well now that is a freaking giant giant detail right there because if draco doesn't go to all if if narcissa just buys draco a wand right. and he didn't go there and have the wand choose him well like that's a huge detail because Draco's wand is part of the final battle and its allegiance to Harry at the end is like a huge deal. So it's like if Draco's wand didn't choose Draco, then Harry stealing Draco's wand from him shouldn't constitute ownership of the wand that Draco is the master of going to Harry. Oh my, I can't, I, honestly, this is like one of those situations where it's like, like it, you, it is one of my least favorite parts of the entire saga is the explanation that, yeah. that Harry becomes master of the Elder Wand because he stole Draco's wand from him in the physical like fight. Right, right, right. Like some other time right, without yeah. ever holding that, it. That's the, the, back up a sec here, right. So, Harry t- eventually uh, in Deathly Hallows steals Draco's wand from him physically. Yes. At that point, Draco has already become master of the Elder Wand because he disarmed Dumbledore with that wand. Correct. Right? Okay. So in Harry takes Draco's wand, all of a sudden he becomes master of that wand for having physically took it from him, which then also makes him the master of any other wand Draco was the master of. Which includes which, the Elder Wand. Which includes the Elder Wand. But if Draco didn't go to Ollivander's when he was 11 and have the wand that Harry stole from him choose him, then none of that math should work. <laughs> none of it should work. And the only thing I would say is that maybe Narcissa is just there like perusing Peru- yeah, or maybe ta- she, like chatting. Right. Because we do know that the very next thing that happens uh, is that uh, Harry goes and buys books and then they even go to Ilop's Owl Emporium um, before going to um, get the wand. So yeah. it is entirely possible that in the interim, Draco just goes and gets his wand. Goes and gets the wand. Um, yeah. Which I anyway, mean, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. I'm just it, like just it stood out to me because it's like there's no reason to just go look at wands without the person who's buying the wand. You're you're exactly right. Like this is like one of those things that they're so personalized that it's like it's not there's there's no advantage to be there and perusing the shelves because like you you have no idea what you're looking for. Right. You have, yeah. You have no idea. You're not looking right for letters. anything. You're yeah. just like it's it, it's looking for you. Yep. Um, uh, anyway, anyway, we we move forward just a little bit. We go into uh, Flourish and Blots for the first time where they get all their books. I did find it particularly interesting that one of the books that Harry particularly wanted was Curses and Counter Curses. Um, that's something that I feel like eventually his affinity for Defense Against the Dark Arts. It feels like a natural fit. Right. Yeah. You know, for, for for what he'll end up doing. So it's just kind of fun that that's like who. 
like what he would have picked out. Yeah. Uh, which Hagrid tells him he's not quite qualified to uh, have yet. I also love when he's talking to Draco. He like looks up at Hagrid's eventually standing there and he wouldn't get ice creams. But like the reason Harry's in there by himself is because Hagrid tells him like, oh, I need to pick me up at the leaky cauldron. And it's like not like two minutes have passed. So clearly Hagrid goes into or he sends Hagrid or sends Harry into the robe shop and Hagrid's like, I'm getting ice cream instead. <laughs> <laughs> he said to pick me up. It could be anything he sees. Yeah. Like he maybe just changed his mind. I guess so. <laughs> I just think that's funny because he returns so quickly. He's like, guess what I got? Incidentally, the question about what type of uh, ice cream that Harry has, chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts, yeah. is a trivia question. I think I've missed like 11 times. I literally wrote trivia gold right I, next I did to the, it. I yeah. wrote trivia right next to it as yeah. well. That's so funny. Um, yep. Anyway, we, we make it to... Um, the uh, Ilops Owl Emporium, where we uh, we actually don't get a name for Hedwig yet. Nope. This was something that I thought came almost immediately in the wake of uh, of the purchase of the Snowy Owl, um, but we do not get that. We do sort of have uh, like like a small illusion to one of the other like favorite theories that we've had here on the channel, which is that like because Hagrid lives such a simple life and because he is able to interact with so many like amazing raw materials uh, like unicorn hairs and or yeah. even potentially horns, which yeah. just like one paragraph earlier we would learn are worth 21 galleons each. Um, <laughs> which seems like a steal, if you ask me. Uh, it really does. I mean, because um, like a unicorn, according to Slughorn in book six, a single unicorn tail hair could be worth 10 galleons. Yes. And it's like, you. I mean... Like there, I mean, on a single unicorn, there's got to be like hundreds of hairs, but there's only ever one horn. Just one horn. And it's only barely worth twice as much as a single hair. Like either unicorn horns are just plum unmagical, which is, which is, <laughs> which seems silly to me because the horn has got to be the most magical part of a unicorn, right? You, That's you, the only thing making it not a horse. <laughs> This isn't good. Right. Like, that's, like that's, the horn has got to be worth so much more. That's that's the phrase of the whole episode right yeah. there. It's the only thing not making it a horse. It's a good point. It's a good point. So anyway, I'd be I'd be uh, what I'm saying is if it's me, I'm investing in these 21 galleon uh silver unicorn horns. There you go. Good to know. Well, and either way, my point I was going to make is that we've always sort of assumed that there's like some chance that uh Hagrid is just very quietly wealthy, which yeah. when he goes to buy uh Harry an owl, which we know is kind of like a big ticket item, you know, for someone in the the wizarding world. Like it's not like he went and bought him like, you know, an an, an ice cream cone. He already did that. Which he already um, did do. You know, he he bought him like, you know, one of one of the most significant purchases that you could make uh and even his own logic he's like you know i don't like cats they make me sneeze um toads went out of fashion years ago neville <laughs> poor neville um it's like, that is a slight they're like you don't realize it at the moment but that is throwing neville under the bus a few chapters from now it really is yeah. um but then you know it's like when it comes down to these three it kind of seems like anybody would pick an owl like it does. They, they provide like the most function i mean cats would certainly offer like a certain amount of comfort which is not nothing but like, you know, it just, I don't know. It seems we like Hedwig also offers comfort and is also useful. There's also, exactly. It's just like, if you're coming in, if you're like a wizard or a witch, like what, there's there's nothing particularly magical about cats. I mean, I guess Crookshanks is like half Neasel. Yeah. So there is 
that. I guess you could argue that, but it just seems like that's a, such a it's such a muggle pet, you know. All the muggles have cats. I know, you know, yeah. not as not as magical. And then like it's not that toad. I mean, I don't know anyone who owns a toad. I'm sure, sure certainly some people out there do, but we never learn anything magical about toads. Like no. they don't do anything that we ever learn of. Which I wish I wish Trevor the toad had ever done something fun remarkable you know in, in besides our, try to run away yeah in in our saga about what if neville was the chosen one we did have it be the case that harry has a toad yeah named hedwig named hedwig yeah uh and is a is a golden toad and really awesome um anyway so moving on uh we, we find our way into Ollivander's shop which was founded in 382 bc just another Goodness. fun trivia fact for you so this yeah. this company has been around for a very mm-hmm. very long time so kind of remarkable in that regard um one of the things that I've always thought was really cool as like a characteristic to give to Ollivander is his um, absolute memory of every single wand and and like characteristic. Like it's just such a such a cool uh, like detail for for Ollivander to have because it's like I think it does speak to his just sheer affinity and love for the creation of magical wands, yeah. um, which I, which I find to be really cool. We learned about both of his parents wands, um, you know, uh, Ooh, there's like a Easter eggs there too. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Um, so you want to do lilies and I'll do, I'll do James. Yeah. Okay. So he describes, uh, Harry's mom's wand as 10 and quarter, 10 and a quarter inches long, swishy made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. So it sounds like, you know, it's, that's a, uh, what the the Easter egg is that when he says charm work, it's a reference to the sacrificial love that protected Harry from dying. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. And then additionally, uh, we learn just a little bit about uh, the father's wand or uh, James Potter's wand, which is a mahogany wand, 11 inches pliable, uh, a little bit more power and excellent for transfiguration. Uh, this is just a kind of like early and fun nod to the fact that James ultimately ends up doing one of the most complicated uh, transfiguration things you can in spell casting which is becoming an animagus yep um so, so just kind of neat that mm-hmm. that detail is there from you know the very very beginning um gotta love that you get the exchange with olivander where it kind of seems like he's like possibly scolding hagrid a little bit but once again it feels like this is like one of those exchanges that suggests that like hagrid's wand if it was broken in half is absolutely no longer broken in half and hagrid is very intentionally skirting the truth in his entire exchange because it seems like olivander's like but you're not using it of course right Right. right and Hagrid's like oh no of course no I would never do that uh-uh, and it's like, still got the pieces there's so many things are weird about this whole exchange one he says still got the pieces though and it's like why Why would if you broke someone's wand in half would you just give them the pieces back like, what? I mean it's useless so, it's I, use- mean- I guess there's that it just seems weird to return them to them but even at that um he says these, his wand is snapped in half for having been expelled from school, and yet all of the Death Eaters in Azkaban, serious Black, even their wands are just intact. You know, like why? Why are their wands snapped in half? It does seem like one of the big challenges, and they even eventually uh, kidnap Ollivander, and it almost even feels. I think I think that there's a couple of wands that he makes while he's while he's captive. Yeah. But it it almost feels like the reason the plot related reason and why you would kidnap Ollivander sooner is quite literally because like 
uh, all of these Death Eaters would need wands. It does feel like this should be like a... Right. Like if you get sent to Azkaban, your wand should absolutely just be... Right, like they all need wands. That's the right. problem. Yeah, if you're expelled from school and they do it, like, absolutely. Yeah, they can't go, like, buy you new wands or whatever. Right. So yep. um, The other really cool thing... or Well, actually, before we get to the next cool thing, um, I would say is as he, he pulls his first couple of wands... Uh, Ollivander does that is for Harry and one of them kind of stood out to me it is Maple and Phoenix Feather 7 inches quite whippy um, this is a ridiculously short wand like we know that Umbridge's wand is 8 inches and it's like it's like the like when it comes to wand lengths, they don't necessarily always speak to character unless they're extremely long or extremely short. In the cases of Hagrid, who needed something longer because he's a half giant, and then Umbridge, who it's like it's supposed to suggest that her eight-inch wand represents her like lacking of character. Yeah. So a seven-inch wand, like that is, it's like a really it's not, real short. It's a really short. It's like a twig. Um, so I thought I I just found that to be kind of interesting. I know I wanted to I did, I should have looked up what the what the wand would or like what the the meaning of the wand would was for that on like Pottermore because you can look that sort of stuff up. That might have been interesting to know. Seven inches. It could be like him being like, oh, seven's the most powerfully magical number. Maybe Harry Potter needs a seven inch wand or something. Well, the the thing that I do think is interesting about the wand that Harry ends up with is that it, it's 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 Hollywood. Yeah, and Hollywood. And, and he's famous, and he's famous. And he's famous. It, it's <laughs> like I, another. This is like another one of those details. I, nobody's ever confirmed to me, at least, that that is a, that is an intended detail. But it feels like like it's so funny. on the nose. But it's also like a remarkably American thing. So it, it's possible to me that it is just actual it, coincidence. It could be. Um, we also learned about Voldemort's wand that it's um, you, which I think you is like the traditionally the the tree of death. Right? Yeah, yep, yeah, that is correct. So, yep, you know, sneaky. Sneaky. Um, and I think also uh, like holly is a very commonly associated wood with uh, Christmas and Harry does eventually come back from the dead. Um, so a little bit of, yeah, you know, a little like, like a, yeah, um, like Christ imagery there. Just, yeah. just, a, just a tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not zero of that in this story. Right. Not, not that. I, yeah. I can't, I can't personally speak a whole lot to it. It's just, I, I do think that there's some, some uh, like the, the selections of the woods for all the various characters does end up having like obviously a rather considerable amount of meaning and it is always very interesting to dig into what the characters have and how it's reflected in the wand description so yeah uh, gotta gotta love that um we learn of course one of the most vital details which is that um harry's wand it's extremely curious in the eyes of olivander um because it has the same uh phoenix feather or the the phoenix feather that resides in harry's wand has a brother uh which is the only other feather given by the phoenix um, and it was in fact obviously Voldemort's wand. I yep. feel like I said that in the most like disjointed way. Yeah, we learned that the 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 feather in Harry's wand is related to the feather in Voldemort's wand. Yes, and there it's the only go. other one. You and it's the it. only other one. Um, this is another one of those things where it's like I desperately want more of this story yeah. because what we'll obviously uh, you know again go on to learn is that it's not just any phoenix it's fox, it's fox. The phoenix i know that like resides with dumbledore and we know in the fantastic beast saga um that there is a phoenix that uh credence is caring for and is supposedly supposed to be the mark of credence's like actual heritage 
as, as a, a Dumbledore. As Aurelius Dumbledore, yeah. And there's this this like known characteristic of Dumbledores that a phoenix will come to a Dumbledore in need. Um, which is, you know, we dug into this, I have to imagine, deeper than so any hard. other person like alive has. Um, because we got through the, the end of Crimes of Grindelwald, which unfortunately is just kind of a tragedy of a movie. It was just very like disconnected a lot of stuff doesn't hold up very well and it's it's very complicated but we worked so hard to find ways for it to make sense um but inside of of that whole story is the predictions of Tycho Dodonis yep. uh which oh gosh I normally can remember it um Let's see here. Mm, Despair of the daughter, return great avenger with wings from the water. There's, yes. a, there's an opening line there too. There is, yeah. But you've got the gist of it yeah. at the very least. Um, the big, the big return great avenger with wings from the water. There's a lot of big questions inside of the Fantastic Beast saga about what that could be in reference to. Ultimately, we know that there's like the the baby swap that happens at sea, and that there's a child who is ultimately lost at sea. Uh, as a result and you know the it, it, it seems as if there is the great return great avenger with wings from the water that what's happening is the the baby who's lost in that situation is the one that returns to credence later and is the very phoenix that um he is is looking after right and so and that the the uh, the assumption is and we just don't know is that that phoenix is fox right but that would also mean that fox in some ways has this very unique heritage back to Corvus Lestrange and the Lestrange family is, is not exactly noted for their, their like innate goodness. Right. Um, so it's, this is just like one of the, I feel like I'm deep in the weeds now, but like, no. um, you are, but then, then there's another layer of this where it's like, um, that comes up with the fantastic B series that I just realized the other day, like, um, another theory we had about that was that, when we learn about the brother wands, we see in Goblet of Fire that like what it means is that when they're forced to fight each other, they reform this like golden strand and there will be a bead that uh, appears between them and, you know, to like force them back and forth and whoever wins, whatever. Like that's what happens in the graveyard when Harry and Voldemort are fighting. And we had a theory that Dumbledore's a original wand was a brother wand to the elder wand. Yes. And that it shared a core, like, it, like a, a thestral hair um, from the el- from the same Thestral that gave its a hair to the Elder Wand, and then like I'll tell you what, Ben, in Secrets of Dumbledore, I did not realize it, but when Grindelwald and Dumbledore are dueling, that's exactly what happens. There is like a connection with a bead that goes back and forth, and Grindelwald is winning, and then Dumbledore shoves it back the other way. Oh. And I was like, I did like I could not believe I did not realize it. I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like they're connected. And I was like, oh, I wonder, could it be possible they have a twin core? I was like, oh, we made that theory. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> like, it's like we didn't even pat ourselves on the back of I know. That I was one. like, how did I notice that? Wow. No, it's, so. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, so maybe that's, maybe there's more, maybe we need to go back and visit that. Not that I feel like it matters because I don't think they're making a fourth Fantastic Beast movie, but whatever. That's all right. That's it's all fun. right. Anyway, so as we, as we close out this chapter though, um, we, we, we get one of, an, an, yet another hamburger reference. I, I underlined it. Um, yeah. Which <laughs> the I most like, muggle word. The most muggle word imaginable. Um, and uh, this is always just like one of those things like where, uh, like, you know, they go in and there's just sitting on like plastic seats and eating hamburgers. It's just like, it, it feels like, like imagining Hagrid in that, that situation is like, they've just left like the most magical place, you know, shy of Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, and, and now they're sitting on plastic seats eating hamburgers. It's like, like nothing could go from like super wizarding, hard turn back into the, the muggle world. Yeah. Other than that particular situation, which I, I, I think is kind of, um, 
Yeah. It's kind of interesting. There's also a line down towards the bottom of this page where he says, I can't even remember what I'm famous for. And I think that's just a funny line because, like, he says he can't remember it. But then later on in book three, when the Dementors show up, he sure can then. <laughs> well, it comes back to him. Yeah. It does come back like to a, him. Like a resurfacing yeah. memory. So. It's like they unlock it. Uh, so not not in a good way or anything. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. So don't. I guess. I, I guess eventually you will remember it, Harry. Yeah. Uh, is is the point there? And then lastly, uh, you know, we kind of end with sort of like a a rather mysterious little detail, which is just simply that like. Um, like Hagrid is basically wishing him well, you know, you're going to go back to the Dursleys uh, and then sort of like Harry turns to look back at Hagrid and like, as he does turn, Hagrid is just gone. I wrote, there's no way Hagrid can apparate. <laughs> I wrote apparition question mark. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Yeah. First of all, you don't learn to do it until your sixth year, I believe, right? Ye- yeah, because yes, you have to yes. be 17 or yeah. whatever to do it. Yep. So Hagrid would not have been old enough to do it. Two, there's a lot more of Hagrid to do the apparating, and it feels like the amount of density you are matters in apparition based yep. on like eventually how they're describing it to you. And three, apparently he's not supposed to do magic after he gets Harry. So it's like he's not supposed like he wasn't old enough to learn how to. And at no point would there should he have been able to learn to do it or like allowed to learn how to do it. And even if he was allowed to learn how to do it, it feels like it'd be really difficult in particular for Hagrid to do it. It does seem like he'd be facing like, I'm not sure how he got, I'm not sure how he vanished. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just his, his moleskin coat when reversed is an invisibility cloak. Maybe, maybe he just, maybe he's borrowing the cloak. He could, he, I mean, he could be borrowing the cloak. We know that Dumbledore has it at this point in time. Although for, for it to be that close to Harry and not return to Harry would seem kind of like, come on dude. But the other thing is that we know that another way to make an invisibility cloak is with Demi Guy's hairs, mm-hmm. and um, which is something that we meet again, you know, in Fantastic Beasts. But like, it, it's possible. What? I'm just. I was like, could it be like a disillusionment charm or something? I guess maybe. I suppose it could be. I suppose it could, it could be. be. I was just gonna say. I mean, we know Hagrid is really good with Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's entirely possible that maybe he has a Demi Guy's coat uh, and was able to just like invisibilize himself. I guess you know. it'd be a lot of Demi Guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. not very big. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, um, I like the idea that he had the cloak. That makes a little more sense to me because the cloak it, is like, it, you don't think about it, but there are times where like, it'll be like Hagrid or like Harry pulled the cloak out of his pocket. And it's like, can you like, for if you can try and imagine like any garment you would wear that you would wear around your entire body also being able to fit inside of a, a pocket is like, there is like a magical nature to the fact that the cloak is able to make itself really small. Yes, I, so and it's I like, think that's I, true. I think yeah. it could make itself big enough to cover Hagrid. That's a good point. It's yeah. a good point. Like it, it almost seems like we never get like a whole lot of descriptions, but the invisibility cloak is regarded as, you know, like one of the three most powerful objects that exist in the magical world. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have no, well, the only thing I was going to say is that I, I, I don't have a lot of trouble assuming that the cloak could extend but we also know that at some point in time as the golden trio get much larger that like their feet often yeah like are i know there is that too yeah but but there's also the fact that like mad eye can see through the invisibility cloak which is like one of those things it like, seems where, like why uh-uh. yeah it's no, like i don't it's, like that right like that's it, the, the thing that it forces me to believe is that somehow mad eye's eye is like of equal caliber uh, right, like, like, like there's more to it than we realize. Right, right. Like yeah. you could almost have like a whole saga. Like I know that uh, you know, like Grindelwald has like one like blue eye. Yeah, and I've sometimes wondered like you know, did Dumbledore and Hagrid and Mad Eye all sort of have a, a role in like the downfall of Grindelwald that like somehow 
you know, like what Mad Eye uh, received. Is, I would love to have seen Mad Eye show up in or in Fantastic Beast. That would have been, been awesome. Like in his prime. Oh, that'd have been a great that that sound that I don't I can't I don't know how old Mad Eye's supposed to be when, when he's in the series, but that would have been awesome. Well, maybe what they're gonna do, because I think last time we were in that that saga, we were still only in like nineteen thirty one and we we're supposed to get to nineteen forty five. So one of my favorite like headcanon thoughts was like maybe they'll just wait fifteen years so that like all the characters are actually aged up fifteen years. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, they really like went for they it. They went for it, just, you know, playing the long game. <laughs> commitment to the cause, apparently. Exactly. Um, all right, Jay, before we close out here, we gotta we gotta discuss the chapter art. That we do. Five. Yep. What do you think? I think so. It, it Basically, what we have here is a chair with a bunch of wands on it and then a floating wand shooting uh, a bunch of like uh, magical sparks and stuff into the air. So I don't feel like the scene itself actually happens because the wand is floating by itself that's shooting the sparks. Um, it does. I guess it's supposed to make you like wonder like, oh, is Harry going to get a wand in this one? So that's kind of fun. I would say it's probably the weakest one we've seen so far. Yeah, I, I, I sort of I feel I feel somewhat similar. Like it's yeah. it's such an iconic <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, For the amount of things that happen in this chapter, like why doesn't Harry just holding a wand or Hedwig or a goblin or <laughs> Right. You know. <coughs> there, there is certainly a challenge, I think, associated uh, like whenever whenever constructing, um, especially if you're going to name chapters inside of a story. Yeah, I, I think that there's always a fine line you have to walk where you like chances are the title. And we, we have this like for thumbnails sometimes where it's like, you know, a lot of times you don't want to give away the prize in the teaser, you know, so it's like it's like you don't want to you don't want to give away all the information. You don't want to like show your hand. You want to like more like pose the question or something. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's, it's like, you know, if you showed a picture of a little boy, Harry holding up a magical wand in this particular image, then it would sort of be like, Oh, this is the one where he's going to get a wand. So it's like, I mean, it's still certainly like suggests that like a wand is coming in this chapter. Yeah. But I I think it does walk the line just like a little bit more carefully. So, um, I I could see where there's a, like a little bit of like complicated feelings about like what to include, you know, in this particular one. I also wouldn't be opposed to seeing an image in this art style of, um, Hagrid and grip hook and Harry in like a little, Oh, in the cart. cart. Yeah. That'd been a good one. Cause you'd be like, what? You'd have no idea what that is. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be really great. So oh, we didn't talk about the introduced grip hook here in this chapter too. We, yeah, we didn't touch on that at yeah. all. Yeah. So grip hook obviously ends up being super relevant to the plot as we get to deathly hallows because he is literally the goblin that they like bargain with yeah. to get inside of the Lestrange vault and yeah. get Hufflepuff's cup. So <laughs> yeah. Hagrid's like, don't ever deal with goblins here. And he's like, uh, what about, it's like the, this is the first one I met. <laughs> I immediately didn't listen. Right, yeah. Like, all of the advice that Hagrid gives before going to Gringotts is everything that Harry breaks in, in Book 7. Yes. Oh, yeah. also, just on this exact note, this is not related to uh, Harry Potter, but I have to tell remind me to tell you later that I think Quoth can fly. Okay. 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 <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. All right. So, um, as, as we as we close out for the day, do you have a review for us? A review? Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> like, what of the chapters? Is that what we've been doing this whole time? Yes, I do. I have a review for us that we can read. Uh, every um, week, we'll be trying to read a review from one of you guys about the podcast. So, uh, this person didn't really leave their name. It just said AR one one zero five. And it said, can't wait for more. Just finished the first three on YouTube. Can't wait for this to become my weekly routine. HP after 
all these years is still my go-to book when I can't sleep or have too much going through my head at night. And listening to the audiobooks has helped me a lot in the past few years. I read my first Harry Potter book, book two, when I was 12. And now, 23 years later, I still reread the books. I wonder where all of us will be in life when this whole series ends. And the last line of the book is read. That is true. I am. That was. I love. I, I picked this one because of that line. I was like, ooh, yes. Like, where where will my life be? Like four years from now, when the podcast reaches the end of Deathly Hallows. I know, I know, you no. Know? It's 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 incredibly interesting because like, I'll it's have like, like a like a fourth grader. Ooh, oh, that's crazy. wild. It's, I yeah, oh, I know. Man. Yeah, it's like an arrow shot into the future. I know. Um, no, I know, it, and, it, and it's really interesting too because the thing that stood out to me was just like the the rereading of the saga and like you know I think that throughout life like that's sort of like what this story has done for me on so many different occasions is that like you know you go, you go through these like tumultuous and difficult times and and so often. And it's like being able to go dive back into like a familiar world with characters that you love and like like these themes of positivity and like openness and welcoming, um, you know, they're they're just like all I don't know. It's just it's it's such like a, a reliable world to go and get lost in and, and find comfort in. So right. and there's just always more to discover. Which even like I feel like I'm even discovering still now as we're doing this exact read through. No, I know. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's like when you're like we've we've certainly studied the books quite a bit, but I've never studied individual chapters of the story in the way that that we are right now so I'm, I'm having a really great time i feel like it's completely sparking like brand new thoughts for from like a theory craft yeah point. like i think there's just going to be like a lot of really cool stuff that comes from it so again we just want to thank everybody for joining us you know in the journey as we kick off here and again you know if you if you're happy to uh you know leave us a review we would definitely very much appreciate it and it might even be featured here in a future i know episode. maybe we'll crack the top 50 by the time we record the next episode that would be amazing that would be amazing oh my yeah. gosh fingers crossed we'll so, see thanks everyone uh for listening and we'll see you next time through the griffin door what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls head to hero.co to shop today